This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. So it says Genesis chapter three, we've got a man already made, the earth already made, a man placed in the garden and woman created out of the side of man. And then we see an interaction. It's not an interaction between man and the serpent. It's an interaction between woman and the serpent. And uh, we're going to find out a few things that I think are really telling about this and and, uh, some things that we need to understand. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God made. Notice. He's more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And, and we, uh, we understand that. We understand that as believers, we have authority over the enemy and we have authority over Satan. We have, as we talked about yesterday, we have resurrection power. And when we walk in the kingdom power that God has given us, when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that God's made available to us, when we walk in that power, the enemy cannot stand against that. He cannot prevail against that. I think back on the night before Jesus's crucifixion and Peter saying, I'll never deny you. And Jesus telling Peter that he was not only going to deny him, that he was going to deny him three times before the morning was to come. And and then I can imagine the look on Peter's face because he obviously knew that Jesus knew what he's talking about. I can just imagine the look on Peter's face when Jesus said, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Notice he says, Satan has asked. Notice Satan's got to have permission to do anything with us because we're not in a part of his kingdom. We're not under his authority. We're under the authority of God. We're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is inside of us. The kingdom of God power comes out of us. And when that power is being manifest in us, and we talked about that yesterday, and it's manifest in us when we hear from God, when we believe God's word as it is, when we trust in it, and then when we act upon it, when that power is manifest in our lives, when that comes about fully and completely in who we are and what we're doing and how we're walking with God, when that manifest power is available to us, the enemy has no authority over us. But that does not mean that the enemy's not cunning and sly and slick and is able to manipulate things and control things. We don't need to act as if we don't need to be unsober in our dealing with the enemy because we need to be sober and watchful. And the Bible quite clearly teaches that, teaches us that we need to be careful and understand it. And even understanding that Michael, when, when he was arguing or when he was contesting over the body of Moses with Lucifer, he didn't curse Lucifer. He didn't directly attack Lucifer. He said, the Lord rebuke you, which means even Michael, who is by far a superior in strength angel than Lucifer, because he is the warrior archangel, he didn't use his to attack Lucifer, he used uh, the power of God to attack Lucifer. And even in that interaction, we see that we see that it's important and it's necessary, and it's an understanding that you have to have 
when you're dealing with darkness, that darkness does not have power over you. It cannot overcome the light. Even though darkness doesn't have power over you, doesn't mean that darkness doesn't have the ability to, to trick you, control you, cause you a difficulty and struggle each and every day. And we need to deal with it soberly. And when we're dealing with people who are struggling with it, we need to be sober about that also. And we need to teach them how to walk with God. A lot of times we want to teach them to do what we've done. Just do this or do that. And the truth is, that's not how it's done. God wants to teach every one of his believers. He wants to teach them how to walk in power and strength and might. He wants to teach them his goodness and his ways. He wants to teach us all those things. And he's always actively doing that on our behalf. And we need to understand that when we're dealing with other believers, that God is wanting to teach them to walk in that power also. In the garden, obviously, Adam and Eve had walked with God in the cool of the evening. For a while, they knew God. They knew him intimately. They knew him closely. They knew Jesus well as the Lord God or Jehovah God who was in the garden, and they understood who he was. And so when they understood who he was and when they walked with him closely and when they walked with him intimately, they knew a lot about God. And it says, the serpent was, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has not God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And what he's doing is he's questioning the woman. He's questioning the woman about how much she knows about God. Notice this is the tactic of the enemy. It's always a tactic of the enemy. In fact, it's a tactic that's well used and well used today. There are many churches, there are many denominations out there who are dealing, struggling with the issue of the enemy coming in and saying, does the Bible really say this? And that regularly out there. Does the Bible say this? Is the Bible actually really saying this? And you'll hear that even, you can hear that even sometimes in interviews and from the pulpits of places. For years and years, it's a tactic that the, that, that the, the enemy used or, or the devil used against Jesus in the wilderness. Notice, he quoted scripture to Jesus. Now, he left things out. He changed words. He manipulated it for his own advantage. And remember, that's what the devil does. The devil doesn't have his own ways of doing things. He's not a creative being as God is. He's not a creative being as we are made in his image. He has to be the father of lies. He has to manipulate. He has to change and alter things and control things in such a way so that when we're dealing with him, he's making us question what we know to be the truth. And by the way, God is revealing his truth all the time in your heart. And oftentimes people will come and they'll have a struggle or they'll have a difficulty. Or they'll have something that's going on in their lives. And, and they come to me and say, Pastor, I just need to know what, what you think about this. And my answer usually always when somebody comes to me and they have an issue that they're trying to deal with, not an issue of, of biblical sin or an issue of struggle, but an issue of decision, some, some, some decision that they have to make, something that quite clearly God would most desire to lead them in. And my first question is always going to be this. And so you need to know that before you ever come up to me and talk to me about a situation. My first question is going to be, what God tell you to do? And there are times when God hadn't spoken to you on that matter yet. It's not in due time and due season. And then we start talking about, then we'll start talking about preparation to hear from God, preparation in your life, or you're in the right place where God can actually speak to you on that matter. Are you doing the things that are necessary to put yourself in a position where God can move in your life in that way, or we'll talk about those things also. But the main thing is, what did God say? And, and Satan is a master manipulator at using that 
Matthew, he he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, you change this rock and make it into bread. And he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you'll worship me. And he's offering things that are capable or things that God would offer as if it's his. He's manipulating the word. He's all the time doing this. But the truth is, deep down in your heart, because you do have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you oftentimes, often many times in life, the truth, you know what the truth is. You know what what the answer to the problem is. You just struggle with doing it, or you just struggle with whether or not whether or not you have you have the power or strength to make it happen, or you struggle with fear, or you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with doubt, you struggle with things. And let me say this: that's the natural condition of man is to struggle with things. It's the condition of the heart of man to struggle with those things. And if that's your if that's your issue, in one way I say congratulations, you're a human. In another way, I would say. Uh, that God has put you in this position so that you could recognize the struggle, that you could begin to understand your struggle, and that you could begin to trust him and be an overcomer in the situation. God never puts you in a situation that he He expects ult- ultimate and utter failure that is going to destroy you. He didn't put that situation in Peter's life when he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat because the next words he says to you, but when you have overcome, when you come out of it, when you've reached the end, when you've, when you've become who you ought to because of this, because remember, he allowed Satan to do it not for Satan's pleasure, but he allowed it to do it for Peter's good. He said, strengthen your brothers. And so there was an understanding even in Jesus's heart. In his full knowledge of who Peter was, there was an understanding that ultimately Peter was going to be victorious in the situation, that Peter was going to be powerful, and that Peter was going to be a great man in his kingdom, one of the greatest men in his kingdom, one of the one who sits on the 12 thrones over the tribes of Israel one day. And and Peter was going to be an overcomer. Peter was going to be a mighty man, and Peter needed to go through this. And Jesus said, it's going to happen. And when you reach the end of it, strengthen your brothers, meaning that God had a plan. God had, God always does have a plan. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat, not eat of every tree of the garden? Now notice, the woman, Eve, she knew the answer. She did. She had the answer right there in front of her. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree in the, in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. She understood. She knew. She'd walk with Jesus. She, uh, obviously her husband had told her what God had said about that garden. They were close. They were at an intimate relationship. Satan questioned whether God had said you can eat of what trees you can eat of. And, And he knew, she knew exactly what the answer was. She had an answer for what Satan was bringing up. Notice that, notice there's a great similarity to the spirit-filled Christian life for us. We know the answer. Satan questions whether God what God said. We know what God has said. And then we have we've walked with people who know the answer. God's revealed those answers to our own heart. We're walking in that power. And then all of a sudden, what does Satan do? It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Notice. He questions God. He he put places doubt in your heart about the truth that we we knew about God. He questions God. He says, you will not surely die. Did God really say that? Is that how it really worked out? What did God say about what you can eat in the garden? And he said, we can eat of every tree, but the tree in the middle of the garden, we shall not eat or we will surely die. And Satan says, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, 
your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now, <clears throat> let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, that is a lie too, okay? That is a lie too, because what he's telling her is a manipulation of the truth. And it happens all the time in life. He says, he knows if you eat of the, of the of fruit of that tree, you will be intimate with all things. You will know. He says, he says, you'll see everything and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right. Now, there's a difference between how God knows good and evil and how we know good and evil. God knows himself and evil is the opposite of himself, which he hates, which he will not stand for, which he abhors. You have, you have God and not God. Sure. God knows what not God is, but he doesn't know it intimately. He does not walk in it. it is not a part of who he is. It is by definition, not him. It is sin. It is missing the mark of his character and nature. It is It is one of those things that is a struggle and a difficulty. I see it all the time. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle to understand that God is uh, himself and that all that isn't him is us. And so when we're dealing with, when we're dealing with this passage, he says to him, you'll know good and evil. That's not good. It's not good. It's not, it was not, it's, it's not, it's not our best. It's not a part of God's perfect and pleasing will for our lives because we don't just know the difference between good and evil. The lie was is that you'll you won't just know the difference between good and evil. You will be intimate with evil or not God. You'll be intimate with sin. You will become what God never intended, never wanted, never desired for man to be, even though he knew he would be that. He, his desire was for us to be perfect in his creation, but he made man understanding that man would fail, understanding that Jesus must come and pay for that. And being not God or being intimate with sin is not, a God, not, is not the perfect plan for our lives. And she says, so the woman, she, he says to her, for God knows in the day you eat it, you will be, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And isn't that how we always are? In that, in the, in that how we always are? We want to, we want to attain up to it. See, he's selling what caused him to fall. He's selling what the enemy wanted himself. What did Satan want? He wanted to aspire up and become as God. And he's offering man the same thing, even though we're already in the image of him in the garden. He's offering the same thing. He's saying, you, you can climb up to the top and be God yourself. And that is the original sales pitch. There's only three, th three, there's only three, three categories of things that we worship. We either worship the created beings of the world or the created things of the world. We worship God himself or we worship ourselves. And everything that is worshiped falls in one of those three categories. We actually worship the true living God. We worship ourselves or we worship something else that has been created. And uh, Satan is basically saying, why don't you make your own self God? And the Bible says, so the woman, the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Notice it's pleasant to the senses. Sin is always pleasant to the initial senses that we have. It's always something that we look at and we say, man, that would be good to have. It is attractive. It pulls us in with its allure. And she noticed it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. Now, notice to make wise is not what it does. It makes us know evil and become intimate with evil. And he's, and that's what 
the knowledge of good and evil does. That's what the law does. It makes us intimate with what is not right. It makes us intimate with what shouldn't be. And so we notice what it says. And she took and took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Both of them were there together. Notice that Adam is right there listening to the conversation. Adam does not step in. Adam allows the conversation to continue on. Adam does not question. Adam does not does not stand up as Jesus did in the as Jesus did in the garden in the garden right before he went to the cross and uh, and in the wilderness he confronts Satan exactly he tells Satan exactly what God says and he chooses God's will over his own will and he chooses God's will over the will of the world. Adam did not do that. And this is the fall of man. And uh, and they ate of that fruit of that tree. And when they ate of the fruit of that tree, they surely died. That's what happened. In the day, in the finite period of time, we call a day, or in the finite instant of time, we call now. In that moment, they died in the garden. They didn't die physically. Their souls didn't cease to exist but their spirits died and their connection, their power connection with God, their connection with him was destroyed. And that relationship that's born of that connection and that power was ruined in the garden that day. And the plan of God of redemption, which started before he said, let there be light, uh, begins to go into effect. And I think it's important to see and read this passage in its simplicity and it's in its in its easiness to understand and its straightforwardness. But it's important to see that as you look at it in these six verses and you realize that in this six verses, all the troubles and struggles of the world were initiated. When we see that and we when we understand it, and when we begin to look at it, we realize that it has some great depth to it. And uh, us understanding it allows us to understand all the work of God to bring us back from this time and this day in human history. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.